seekers, explorers and renegades out there, welcome to another episode of the Alchemy Experience podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Lemke. Each and every one of our consciousness feed into this larger idea of a collective consciousness that we all interact with on a moment-to-moment basis. Now, this has long been the uh, territory and domain of philosophies, religions, uh, spirituality and so forth, but now science is finally catching up due to uh, a number of research projects that have been going on for the past 50 years, where we are seeing that uh, in fact we can prove that this uh, field of consciousness, uh, collective consciousness, exists. It also now gives us the understanding how important it is to realize how we show up in life and how we interact with this collective consciousness, whatever energy we feed into it and how we manipulate it with our own energies as we uh, interact with the collective consciousness. So if you're full of uh, hate and bitterness, that is your contribution that you feed in. If you're filled with love and compassion, again, that is the uh, contribution you make to humanity as a whole. You may not be aware, but uh, you are actually affected by the collective consciousness in your own mood and your own energy as well, depending on how well defined your boundaries are. So after listening to this podcast, you will no longer be able to say I didn't know and that you will be aware of whatever you feed into the collective consciousness is what others are going to be affected by. Hopefully you will then also see the importance that we, on an individual basis, that we try to optimize ourselves and uh, really seek to better ourselves for the uh, for humanity as a whole. And showing up as role models in society that will then help others to do the same. So in light of this, it is very appropriate that we are today sponsored by The Infinity Life which their mission is exactly that, is to raise the frequency of the collective consciousness one person at a time. Through their unique model they can help uh, clear your core wound and clear your energy and thusly help clear the core wound of humanity as a whole through the collective consciousness of course. Through this system they train facilitators that then train other facilitators and through the training program as they become facilitators they allow themselves to clear their own core wounds and their own energy at the same time. If this resonates with you and you're interested in uh, doing your part for helping humanity take its uh, next step in the evolutionary process please visit The Infinity Life at www.theinfinity.life So that's theinfinity.life And just for transparency and disclosure, uh, I am a founding member uh, of The Infinity Life, so uh, I know this project very well and uh, I'm very excited to be part of it. I appreciate your patience today with the uh, longer than usual intro, but uh, now we'll go into the discussion about collective consciousness. Enjoy! Rumi, the uh, famous poet, uh, mystic, wrote that uh, out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there is a field. I will meet you there. When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about ideas, language, even the 
phrase each other doesn't make any sense. So what Rumi is referring to there is something beyond our bodies that we can experience uh, with our consciousness. We can consciously experience it when we are able to project ourselves away from our bodies into the field where we can meet everybody else as well. And that's what he's talking about, the collective consciousness. So as promised previously, before we started recording here, I am going to open up the floor immediately and allow um, everybody to have the say in terms of uh, what you define the collective consciousness to be, if perhaps you don't believe it's something real, or if uh, you have a, or a, a particular per perspective on it. <laughs> Thank you very much, Christopher. It is, yeah, the consciousness is something that I change my um, mind about like three times a day, like what it is, how it emerges, where does it come from, where does it go? And I suppose when it when we talk about like collective consciousness, it's something to me, it's something like water, you know, like when fish are swimming in the water, they don't see water. And the same applies to the consciousness. Conscious consciousness to me sometimes resembles as something that exists outside of the physical realm and when we kind of tune in when we are on the specific vibrations we can just tune into it and receive the um that information from different sources so for example when we are talking about the collective consciousness like everything is kind of electro this kind of information so if a lot of people are believing in something they have the consciousness in something they send a lot of information a lot of thought that generates kind of conscious in imprint and i suppose that we can tap into it and we can per perceive that information consciously so it's like almost like radio waves or water we don't necessarily may you know may be able to notice that or see that but it's got impact on us and we are able to tap into it yeah no uh, that's interesting and as support to that you know some of the research i've done you know when we're talking about fields uh you know we we've discovered the gravitational field the electro electric fields the uh, mag magnetic fields uh and those we can all measure right but we also, uh, science do recognize, but they don't quite understand what's called the morphogenetic field. And this is what I've talked about before with the, uh, the flatworms. Uh, when they look at the DNA versus the morpho morphogenetic field, it's every cell has a uh, kind of an, the energy field around it that dictates how it's going to behave, what it's going to become. So the experiment I did with these flatworms is, if you, the function with the flatworm is, if you cut it off its head, it's going to grow a new, grow a new one. If you cut off its tail, it's going to grow a new, new one. But what they did with these uh, experiments was they chopped off the head and the tail, and then they manipulated the uh, field energy field of these different cells in the in the uh, flatworm to make it grow two tails or two heads. So they were able to uh, tell the uh, the cells to do something different than they were originally programmed to do. 
and that's the morphogenetic field and we all have that and that's what we uh, we go into talk about uh, quantum physics for example when you go beyond the structure of an atom then you start looking at the fact that an atom is 99% energy uh, and only 1% mass um so the when we're looking at the um, energy field of a human body, for example, then we're talking about the biofield, and which I feel is different from the consciousness of a person. They interact, and you can use one for uh, to serve the other, as it were. Um, but these fields are different, and. I find, you know, when I was doing looking into uh, the collective consciousness, there's so many studies that have been done. And, you know, if you go back to the beginning of it, I think uh, the first ones to talk about it was uh, in Transcendental Meditation. Uh, they were talking about the unified field in 1979. And that kind of started the research around it. And now there's a lot of different uh, projects going on and going on across the world. Um, so I'm I'm always uh, I I I always have a question about um, what is collective consciousness. What really does that mean? If is it refers to be in the same reference frames than others like society talking or cultural talking because we we travel from one country to another one and we feel different mm -hmm. so and we notice in a different way that the world change and and the way we act have to change as well so there's something like outside of ourselves but i also believe that we are connected in a more intangible way, like a spiritual way. We're connected. When you get into the room, you are connected to the people there. And that, in that, uh, in that particular moment, it gets really like less tangible and clear how I am connected to people, but I am. And now, surprisingly, we're connecting here in the, in Zoom. So mm -hmm. we, we, it, we prove here that we can connect our energies. We can feel other people's energies through Zoom. So is that collective consciousness as well? I... Well, see, this is where I, I would uh, lean back to the concept of fractals, where, you know, we are in this, everybody attending this discussion here, we all are part of a collective consciousness that is a, a miniature of a bigger collective consciousness so you know you're i know you're in florida tatiana for, for example so you're, you're part of you have your neighborhood where you you live and you're part of that collective consciousness but you're also part of the collective consciousness at work and then you're part of the collective consciousness in the county and the state and then the country and i know you're from cuba so you have part of you're kind of part of that collective consciousness as well right so there there are different facets of it and di different functions of it um and as you say when you walk into a room this is where I think the collective or the conscious uh, individual consciousness interacts with the individual uh, energy field 
so that when you walk into a room, it's your energy field that is then connecting with others in that room. And then it's your consciousness that picks up on whatever information there is energetically to pick up on. That's my experience anyway. But, you know, we can we create uh, collectives wherever we interact with someone else or, or interact with any information. So if I read something on the news and I form an opinion about it, then I interact with a collective that holds an opinion about that particular uh, item on news, whether it's pro, for or against, or if it's neutral. So that, that's kind of how I view it. I was on the same basis as um, Tatia or Tatiana um, about this about collective consciousness being. Is it based on society? Because um, like now, if you if you look at how things are now compared to how they were twenty years ago, it's very very different. But twenty years ago. There was a lot of people that were really into, um, well, they called it New Age at the time. And even going back even further than that, um, with like I've studied Ernest Holmes and um, people like that. And even they were like, we have to do better. We have to um, have a new society, so to speak. And I've been, it's interesting because I've been talking to people during the pandemic over the year and they were all talking about like the new norm. And is that like some sort of a collective consciousness saying, okay, society needs to be changed? Or is that just something hitting us in the face saying that we have to do, we have to change what we're currently doing so that we could save the earth or is collective consciousness more of a spiritual basis like i know that you know you can walk into a room and then you could find some people that are like-minded but you can also walk into a room and somebody can feel your vibration who's negative who comes in follows you and then they they take on not what your beliefs are, because I don't want to say that, but they take on, yeah, you know what? You got a point there, you know, and they listen to these inspiring speakers. Like, look at, um, oh, my God, I did his uh, his work back in the 90s. I can't think of his name. He's uh, and um, but he's been like around since the 90s and Vision even actually spoke about him. And um, I was like, oh, my God, that guy's still out. And I and um, but even him, like back when he started, everybody was like, you're crazy. You know, just like when I was going to school, like nobody, nobody was into fitness. Then all of a sudden there was like this big fitness craze. Mm -hmm. So um, is that different from like, I'm kind of confused about what collective consciousness is. Is it spiritual or is it more of a societal? Well, see, yeah, see, this is the thing. It's science does recognize that there is something that you we can't uh, measure because 
it really is, uh, you know, Ken Wilber talks about the, that science excels in examining sensory experiences via uh, empiric, empiric uh, analytical science <clears throat> and phenomena that can be understood through reason, logic and concepts. Aspects of the collective consciousness can only be understood through gnosis, uh, that is direct knowing or realization, uh, which is trans. Uh, rational and translogical and trans uh, transmental. Even though science does recognize, because there's been so many studies done on uh, various aspects of uh, the collective consciousness, and I will go in a little bit into or go into that a little bit later, uh, how you can kind of measure it. But the it's not really a spiritual thing. It's more in terms of how if we look at the world or humanity as a whole there is a it's like what is the prevailing energy in humanity right and then you will have clusters of uh, people that feel it should be this way or it should be this way in whatever topic that you refer to if it's uh, you know democracy if it's uh, well politics in general uh, if it's religion if it's uh, fitness, as you say, however it's supposed to be done, there are you know you have camps as it were, and they have their collective consciousness. But they we all feed into this bigger collective consciousness. There is humanity that then also feeds into the bigger consciousness, collective consciousness that is every sentient being on the planet. And then you can expand right. out from that, which would include, you know all living things in the universe. It's interesting because um, when I was growing up and they talk about science, science didn't believe that there was a God or any universal force or anything like that. They were very, um, they were very, uh, what do you say? Very um, stuck in their thoughts. And then the more they learned, and the more they discovered, instead of calling it metaphysical, they call it something like quantum jumping or um, quantum leaping. Like they change the word because they don't want to, to me, they don't want to make it out like, well, we were us being, I guess, I know I'm just giving it terms, the new agers saying that we were right all along, you know, and I'm saying that there is a soul within. I mean, I could be wrong all this, and that's why, that's why, like, I'm kind of confused about this uh, collective and this well, science. Um, I think that I think that's why it really depends where you want to go with it in terms of your belief system. So, the, what what I'm referring to now as the collective consciousness is more, you know, what we can measure in terms of the uh, scientific. What what can we test? What can we reproduce? Right. Uh, so, but for example, distance healing, uh, Reiki or energy clearings uh, that I work with, those kind of things, they they all work on the collective consciousness. And then it's really where do you want to take it from there? So it doesn't necessarily need to be something that is metaphysical or in. Uh, religious or spiritual in that respect um, this is something that you can that is applicable for you're an atheist 
it's something that you can still tap into because you are part of it. It's, it's like tapping into the biology of humans, right? So thank you, Christopher. And, and thank you, Maureen. It was really interesting. <clears throat> so I think that, as you said, like the, there's been many ways of referring to that concept of unity consciousness. Mm -hmm. But unlike you, Christopher, I think it is um, a, a spiritual more than societal, I think. Because uh, the, the only fact of going beyond the idea that you are as an individual separated from the rest, from your environment and other people, and going into thinking that uh, you are part of something where we are are in is is a spiritual stretch for 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 many people, and that's normal because we've been raised, educated, and brainwashed to think. Brainwashed, it's maybe a big word, but um, you know, we, we, it's not like the society around us is enticing in in thinking in a, in any other way than the individual basis. Um, but and to me. Now, unity consciousness is is also connected to 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 nature, to um, to our to our planet. So thinking that we are all together, and and so it, it goes um, it goes beyond just thinking as human we are part of a unity consciousness. So I think that's why um, we get so um, we feel very concerned when we hear um, about deforestation in the in the Amazon or the Congo Basin or the Southeast Asian massive. Um, we we feel connected and we cannot explain necessarily why. Maybe we're not even conscious, but we know that we care about um, things that are happening. So. So to me, it has that spiritual dimension. But in some way, I was thinking also when you when you agree with that idea, that also means that maybe there is something even higher than than what is going on on planet Earth, and why would we have that unity consciousness, and why are we tooled with um, energy vortexes and and morphogenetic chakras and why are we too with that what it is for and and so and so yeah and so then you you can go and try to explore further but um so so yeah that's that's already um i think that's already a big step to 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 come to start reflecting on unity consciousness and um uh, and yeah so that's that's what I wanted to say. To me, it makes lots of sense. Well, and I, I agree with you that the leap to start looking at the multidimensionality of the collective consciousness or the consciousness of a, a sentient being, uh, then you, you start moving into the realms of spirituality, absolutely. Um, totally agree with that. But I also think that for someone who doesn't necessarily believe there is this multidimensionality then wants to stop at the collective consciousness uh, i think that is perfectly viable as well knowing that there is the collective consciousness uh, i think doesn't necessarily 
uh, it does facilitate uh, kind of a, a, a path into uh, discovering other aspects of uh, oneself, but it, it doesn't necessarily, uh, uh, they're not mutual, uh, mutually exclusive as it were. Um, one can exist without the other, I think. Thank you, Christopher. And Melly said something really interesting because I've been experimenting in um, moving out of the Earth collective consciousness and trying to sense any kind of larger experiences, let's say energies, um, that are coming to the Earth, just to see if I could pick those up. Because my experience is that we live in a soup full of consciousness of different layers, whether it's people in the room with us, the office, the neighborhood, the world, and that there's, it, it even goes further than just our world, and that I have a choice of what I want to tune into. So um, I'm making my choice to look for, let's say, higher vibrational consciousness, and then to uh, see how I can connect to more of that and transmit it. So that's been my experience. Yes, I think, I mean, um, I don't know if you're probably familiar with uh, Stephen Greer um, and the work he's doing uh, where he's, he gets, to, it's, they actually have an app called the CES Contact um, where they're doing exactly that. They, they bring together groups and it's a collective where they, they, uh, or they, move their consciousness into a field where they are connecting with uh, ex extraterrestrials. And there's plenty of video footage online um, on YouTube where they have these groups together and they basically tune in. And then uh, there are these anomalies that appear in the sky, um, you know, light flashes or, you know, uh, these UFOs that come into, into view and, um, so it's it's quite interesting uh, that kind of work and uh, so yeah no of course and so yeah go ahead I'm I'm not necessarily referring to extraterrestrials right. more so what changes in energy are hitting the earth mm -hmm. what's coming in what's right. new and if we can be aware of some of the influences of it how can mm -hmm. we utilize it better for a positive outcome. Well, and that's what I mean. That extraterrestrial is only one example, right? If you can, okay. you tune into the, uh, you tune your your own radio, as it were, your own consciousness and your own energy into whatever station you, you want to tap into and listen to, as it were. Um, whether that being, you know, other other dimensions, uh, extraterrestrials, or uh, you know conscious energy that, or uh, cosmic energy, as it were. Um, so uh, that's, uh, you know, once you expand beyond the collective consciousness of sentient beings on this planet, then we start looking at the multidimensionality, right? right. So, uh, which, you know, that's, I think, is entirely uh, an individual experience. Um, and it's all 
a lot of fun to play around with, for sure. <laughs> I, I think the important part, Christopher, is just the realization that we have a choice. Absolutely. And that if we, if we feel ourselves getting uh, caught up in the fear that's going on or whatever it mm. is, that we can make changes first in ourselves mm. and be focusing on that and that will emanate out. So more important that we have conscious choices. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. It's conscious choice and respo uh, responsibility of uh, our, our participation in the collective consciousness, for sure. Uh, while uh, listening, you know, uh, the, all the wisdom quoting from this beautiful group, uh, I connect uh, to a situation that lays out my life. So it's like I have woken up, I have started my day on a very amazing uh, morning ritual, very high vibration. But then I am going to attend a class. And when I am inside this class, everything is cool, amazing. After 30, 40 minutes or something, I start feeling, you know, like overwhelming suffocation or something. So is it like that fear, psychosis or something of that group or that class that's, um, that I'm catching off? Or because I have checked, uh, I have checked it with myself and I realized it's not mine. A part of it might be mine, but it's not mine. And then I'm clearing it and all that. Mm -hmm. So I'm just curious, you know, just to uh, throw this query and uh, to gain some more clarity. Whether, whether has it to do something with the, uh, you know, the uh, energy of that group or something else? Well, certainly in my experience, um, we, we are affected. We affect as well as we are affected uh, by the co collective consciousness. So if there is a, in terms of what you are closely connected to, in this case being your class, if there is a prevailing energy in that class, if your energy boundaries are, you're not fully aware of your energy boundaries, they can certainly affect you. Uh, but on the, other, on the other hand, if you, if you are in a very negative group or collective as it were and you move in with a very high vibration and a very uh, high frequency and you have very good boundaries you can affect that that entire group to the positive so you can actually bring others up as well as others can bring you down right and it has all to do with in my experience anyway uh, has all to do with uh, your awareness of your own energy and your own frequency and your own boundaries in terms of uh, your energy boundaries. So that makes uh, sense. So that resonate with your rate. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Oh. Thank you. Um, you know something back to the unity consciousness and back to maybe two years ago where everything was completely. Um, I was new and um, I, I was just taking baby steps into opening my conscious my consciousness. Uh, one thing that really blew my mind was when I um, oh, reading Lynn uh, McGathard's the, uh, the Field, the book, where she really vulgarized and, and uh, making very digestible all these quantum physics experiments and what it means. And, and the fact that it was it's hard science, they tested it. If you influence an atom in whatever manner, 
other atoms exactly at the same time somewhere else on the planet will react mm -hmm. um, accordingly. So that means that the, the time and space as we perceive it in our, in our physical body actually might not be happening the way we think. Mm -hmm. It might not be linear. And, and the fact that atoms can be connected around the planet without any preparation, I mean, it's, it's instant, instantaneous. Um, really, it was really something that I had a hard time to wrap my, my head around. Um, and then the other thing, going back to, to Rohit, I think this, the, the fact that we can sense energy sometimes and we can feel drained when we are in a room or with people and feel energized and happy when meeting others, um, really comes back also to um, the fact that we have we have willpower, and this is a key point. Really, really, I think um, it's important to really realize the power that there is in that. And uh, you can have the intent to put boundaries around you, protect yourself, and only let high vibrations coming in. Um, and, and, that, and that also that you can, and that if you are influenced by others, you can also influence others with mm -hmm. good vibrations, as, as you said. So, yeah, so I think it all comes, yeah, and I think it's really linked to thinking that we are part of a unity consciousness. Also, uh, I like the fact that we have a risk, some, somewhere we have a responsibility uh, into it. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I totally agree with that, uh, Mary. That a lot of people, a lot of times, and we move through life, and we're fully unconscious of our part, our participation in the collective consciousness, uh, because it is, or unity consciousness, as you refer to it, it is something that is so new in the in the realm of uh, research but if you take for uh, there are these ongoing um, projects that have been going on for quite a while so for example we have the global consciousness project uh, which is uh, out of princeton university and that's their anomalies engineering research started in 1980 where they have these random number number generators in or they're like sensors across the world where they they basically they just generate numbers uh, random numbers all the time i think it's like one and zero one and zero so statistically it should be 50 50 right now what they can notice is when there are big events in the world uh, for example, big sporting events, or there are earthquakes, or you know, natural disasters, or battles, or war, or whatever. They can see before these specific events, like 9/11, for example. They can see before that that there is a shift statistics on the on these number generator or random number generators. It starts to become less random it starts to get skewed uh, towards one uh, one end and they can note they notice this like could be two hours 20 minutes before the event actually happens 
right? So there, there are two things there that we can notice that it's our our uh, collective consciousness registers what's uh, about to happen before it actually happens, and quite a long time before it happens. And this is something they've been able to replicate in in a uh, scientific environment as well, uh, where they uh, can predict based on uh, they they have a photo that's coming up, and they can predict the person's reaction to based on the hearts. Uh, what the uh, the heart emits in terms of energy uh, before the brain is able to register and before the photo actually comes up. So there's uh, a lot of interesting uh, research that they can uh, take out from that. But for example, when the New Year's Eve comes around, they can follow the celebrations time zone by time zone on these sensors uh, because they do spike, uh, <laughs> and it's like on clockwork. So it's it's very interesting how these work. So when we're looking at the fields of influence that the collective consciousness has, they've done studies on learning and creativity, for example. They took a million people and they did this uh, crossword puzzle and then uh, measured how long it would take it took for them to uh, do the puzzle, right? And then they took a, a group that had not, they weren't aware of the crossword puzzle in that same uh, geographical area, and they had them do it, and they performed significantly better than the first group because now the information existed within the collective consciousness, and they could even though they weren't aware of it, they could tap into that information and transfer it to the experience. We also have creation of order and coherence. Uh, there's the interpersonal, interpersonal and the collective uh, entrainment. So heart math, for example, is uh, one research uh, project that goes on in this. Uh, healing, uh, I think most of us are quite familiar with, uh, where they, uh, they looked at 150 different control studies and 67% of them showed very distinctive favorable or distinctive uh, results to favor the, uh, the, the actual fact that healing was energy healing was a, uh, uh, a thing as were. Um, you have social impacts where trans, uh, Transcendental Meditation, uh, they collect groups. They did a study in America, and the most famous one, I suppose, is the one where they had 4,500 uh, meditators in Washington, D.C. over a period of two weeks, I think it was, two or four weeks. And they noticed the violent crimes drop by 25% or something like that. Now, they did this in how many other cities were? Uh, it was like... I think there were like 24 other cities or something like that, and they saw exactly the same results. And they did uh, control, or they had like control cities where they noticed the, or they saw the, uh, the crime would go up, whereas where they were focusing their meditation, they actually went down, and significantly so. So we're talking like between 20 and 50%. And then perceptual, where we can tap into the collective in terms of doing uh, remote viewing, telekinesis, psychometry, and so forth. 
So the, we have these different fields of influence that we can use through the collective consciousness. Now, these are all areas where there are research going on, uh, scientific studies proving that these are possible. The uh, mind reading, for example, or telepathy. And uh, you have famous studies out of the Stanford Research Institute with the uh, US government on remote viewing. You have the uh, Monroe Institute in Virginia and the University of Virginia doing the same thing on out-of-body experiences. Now, the stuff we're talking about here, fields of influence, this is very much in in kind of for most people, this is very much in the spiritual realm. But now we're talking about scientific studies that are actually strongly supporting, showing strong support and evidence to the, uh, the existence and the actual uh, reality of these uh, uh, fields of influence. Well, I was just listening to what you were saying, and I, I really enjoyed um it made a lot of sense. And what I was going to say, well, it, it's really more in the spiritual. When I was um, listening to Wayne Dyer, like I told you before he got, I got on here, and he was talking about the infinite and the finite. And mm-hmm. um, when you look at your body, and, and, you know, we're more than our bodies. We're a lot more than who we think we are. And, um, you know, for those people that are atheists and don't believe in God and just, you know, think of something else, but we're all gods. And I thought as you were talking that we are all collective consciousness and that we all have the same type of psychometry or telepathy or, things going around where we all communicate and then whoever, whatever the mass um, of society wants at the time is what's going to happen. And then it will eventually change. Like you, like it will become progressive. I don't know how else to, um, to say that and I, I see that a lot just with the way the TV is now the way they're you know like they're very open to everybody being who they are and that's fantastic you know and they didn't have that and and it's just progressively becoming more I think it's becoming more of a spiritual life than we've had before and more you know more at um Let's all try to get, let's all try to, um, let's all try to get along together. Yeah, I think the, you're talking about two different things there. You have the prevailing energy in the collective consciousness. And I mean, that is where we are all responsible for whatever we bring into the, uh, whatever energy we bring with us, right? If things are not going, if if, uh, things are, or the collective consciousness is low vibrational, low frequency, we then have a responsibility to just raise our vibration, right? That becomes our responsibility because we are part of the collective. And yeah, no, absolutely. I think you, you are right in that people are waking up to asking questions what they are or what we are 
and kind of our purpose and looking deeper as opposed to looking at the just the external world but looking inwards and reflecting doing self-reflection so whether that is spirituality or not is not for me to decide you know we all have our individual journeys um and i think introspection doesn't necessarily have to be someone doesn't have to feel that they're on a spiritual journey to do that i think it's uh, more or less inevitable that you end up at some point that you say, okay, what is bigger than me? But, you know, not everybody is on that journey, but it does allow you to connect with others because you, once you take that step to start asking yourself questions, who am I? Then you start to look at how you interact and connect with others. And that's when you start raising your own frequency and start becoming more compassionate and accepting and so forth. Right, it's like it's like self-actualization. Yeah, and that, that's, you know, Maslow's uh, pyramid of uh, or yes. pyramid, pyramid of needs, uh, where self-actualization self is at the top. What was the, what was the author's name again? Uh, Maslow? Maslow. Yeah, Maslow. Uh, extremely interesting idea, discussions as much as always. I was quickly perusing through uh, your chat invite. It said we are one, and it says something that's thrown out freely in spiritual and personal development circles. But what does it mean? That's the question of me. And there have some interesting conversations to the effect. You know, while I was observing and listening to all. There were just a few things that occurred to my mind. Uh, as far as the entire world is concerned, yes, you're right that most of the guys are waking up to that. But uh, as far as ancient India is concerned, this philosophy has been ingrained into the Indian philosophy, the Vedic philosophy, as it is, since yesteryears. In fact, uh, there is a beautiful concept in India that the rishis used to call the ancient, rishis are the ancient age seers, you know, one could, one who could see into the future, okay? And the concept was called Vasu Dhaiva Kutumbakam, you know, it's actually a Sanskrit word. Mm -hmm. It can be split into three, you know, I mean, three words. One is called Vasudha, second is Eva, and the third is Kutumbakam. Literally, it means Vasudha means the earth. Eva means emphasizing. And Kutumbakam means a family. It means that the whole earth is just one family. The concept of uh, Vasudhaiva Kutumbakam that I'm talking about, again, it originates from a very, very ancient manuscript in India. We have the Vedas, we have the Upanishads. Similarly, mm -hmm. for this particular concept, there is a whole Upanishad which is called the Hitopadesha. For someone who wants to write it down, the spelling is H-I-T-O-P-A-D-E-S-H-A. Hitopadesha. Okay. Now, Chris, what it is, it is actually a collection of you know, uh, Sanskrit prose and verses. But in a nutshell, all it says is, that Vasudhaiva Kutumbakam is a philosophy that inculcates an understanding that the whole world is one family. Mm -hmm. And 
it's a philosophy that tries to foster an understanding that the whole of humanity is again one family. Call it a social philosophy, you know, which emanates from a spiritual understanding that the whole of humanity is made of only one single life force energy, only one life energy. You know, it's just like if there is one super consciousness, you know, which we call in Sanskrit as Paramatma. Okay, Paramatma. Paramatma means the super consciousness. Atma also means the soul. If there is one super soul, and if the super soul is one, then how can an individual soul like mine or you or whosoever can be different? Isn't it? So if soul is different, then how can it ultimately be dissolved into the super soul? Super soul. Okay. It's like if the whole ocean is one, then a drop of the ocean, can it be different from the ocean? <laughs> it holds, holds the ocean, doesn't it? Say again, Chris. The, the drop holds the ocean, but is, yeah. is yeah. still separate from the ocean. Yes, and if the drop is different from the ocean, how then can it ultimately be dissolved into the ocean? Isn't it? Yeah. So, in Sanskrit, you know, there is a phrase, this Vasudhaiva Kutumbakam again. This Sanskrit phrase, meaning, it means that the whole earth is one family, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, that, there are a whole lot of things, you know, that originate from it. So, But this was something that I wanted to share. And rightly so, as you said, and our other friends uh, also said, probably more interesting about spiritual angle. That's actually 110% true, you know, and today even UNO, United Nations Organization, uh, they have at an international level, you know, created some kind of a common theme among the various nations of the world and trying to unite, you know, a couple of people together. And each organization uh, in the UNO, you know, serves its own unique and different purpose. But this is one particular organization that's actually exploring the concept and defining it for the masses, you know, we are one, which is Vasudhaiva Kutumbaka. And uh, basically, uh, can I continue? Are we yeah, in? yeah, please, please. <laughs> <laughs> know. And at a practical level, Chris, I was also thinking, you see, all our needs, all our needs are basically threefold, you know, call it business, social, spiritual, threefold, you know, our needs. And we all want to basically fulfill our survival, our social needs and our spiritual needs. And we all act and we all interact with one another in some way and try to make this world a better and beautiful place. Take, for example, this very session. You know? So mm -hmm. we are all a worldwide web of so many relationships. Did we ever imagine that we would just come conglomerate like this on a day like this or as much as we do. So what is it? There's a super consciousness playing everywhere and that super consciousness, call it a super soul, is trying to unite those individual souls living in different parts of the world to come together. So in effect, proves the world wide web of so many relationships. So can this whole world be just one cosmic family? That's the big question, isn't it? So this is a fundamental question in the context of Vasudhaiva Kutumbakam. As I was just mentioning yeah. as well, you know. So, well, well uh, yeah, no, and I, I think that's it's a very interesting 
question, and it is one question. When you tap into the, or rather when you realize, or rather when I realize my, my own my own consciousness and my own uh, participation in the collective consciousness, like I said before, you, you asked the, then you ask the question, what is bigger than this? Yeah. And then you start going up the ladder, as it were, um, and start, you know, Jacob's ladder. You start looking at wh- where does it ultimately go into this bigger part. And uh, I think in the uh, Vedic tradition, it's called the uh, Brahma, right? Uh, mm-hmm. It's the unmanifested. Uh, so, but even if you look at the collective consciousness, uh, which amongst humans amongst the uh, uh, sentient beings on this planet we all have different ideas how we can make this a more beautiful place yeah. how we can solve the problems of the world so there are some people that feel that the only way to solve it is by waging war and causing conflict and forcing their will on others and there are other people that feel that being out protesting is a way to do it. There are others that uh, feel that just showing up uh, with being a role model and being the best version you can be is what it's going to take. Now, from my point of view, I don't see that there is a right or wrong necessarily. They are, you know, they're, they're just experiences. I think most of us will agree that war creates suffering but to some people that is a, a sacrifice that they feel is uh, is necessary in order to get where they want to go with uh, the world order if you like so yeah the, these are the different aspects that we have to consider when we look at the collective consciousness because we're all participants in it and we can all feed into it and feed out of it so when we receive you know, when I tap into the the temperature or the frequency of the collective consciousness, you know, sometimes it feels there's a lot of fear. Sometimes, and especially around New Year's Eve, you know, there's a lot, lot more uh, exuberance. There's a lot more joy um, and hope. Um, so it's it is interesting, and if you go to different towns or different cities, different countries, then you tap into the collective consciousness of that place geographically uh, or into different communities. It's quite interesting how you can notice the, uh, uh, the differences there. So one of the challenges we have with science is that it is tough to replicate these different uh, fields of influence that I was talking about before. So we'll look at the scientific is scientifically being able to prove the collective consciousness the challenge is that it's we can't necessarily replicate it because the only instrument to measure the collective consciousness is the human it could be animals it could be plants but they can't necessarily <laughs> express to us uh, they can't talk to us so we, we're we're kind of stuck with the humans uh, in terms of <laughs> how we uh, how we tap into and measure the collective consciousness, or how we influence the collective consciousness, or how we you know transfer information, or how we uh, healing and so forth. So the only way of doing that is really to collect uh, ev- um, 
anecdotal evidence or to create an environment like when they've done uh, studies on remote viewing at the um, Stanford uh, Research Lab, for example, uh, they do these like triple, quadruple blind tests and that's what they have to rely on. But there's always a human involved in that process, which creates the weakest link because, you know, you can a remote view might have a, a an off day as it were and then that's going to then count, count towards the <laughs> the uh the part that says that it doesn't work uh so the the challenge is to replicate uh, in the controlled environment because you have the human factor involved right if we look at the multi-dimensionality step taking a step out from the collective consciousness uh this is really where I feel that quantum physics uh, is starting to intersect with the kind of traditions that Ranganath was talking about before with the Vedic traditions and so forth. So science is slowly catching up to what the ancients have known all along, which is kind of interesting because science, science always uh, saying that uh, uh, it's not possible, it's not possible, it's not possible until they say, oh, right, yes, I think it is possible. But, you know, we all, <laughs> we all have to uh, uh, just realize uh, what, what we can experience ourselves. And this is where I often talk about, you know, that uh, trust your own truth. Uh, so whatever experience you have is tr your truth. So whether that is being a spiritual one or an energetic one or whatever it may be, it is your truth. And that is the ultimate truth for you for that particular time. So and that can change over time as well. I was just saying, Christopher, that you made some brilliant observations and some brilliant points that set me thinking, you know, and especially one of those was about the negative aspects that you said happening in the world you know, and then the collective consciousness aspect of it. I was just wanting to say that uh, even in that context, you know, there are some ancient Vedic spiritual texts that call that this life that we are living right now, the way we are living, is actually not reality in itself. You know, the word for that is Maya, M-A-Y-A. -A. You know, that's what it is, Maya, you know. Maya Kosha. Yes, Maya Kosha. Yes, you know the Koshas, I'm glad. Yeah, Maya Kosha. Okay. And uh, what to tell you? I mean, there's so many things, you know, that I can be shared about it. But uh, to summarize it, you know, to uh, this seems and appears to be a distant possibility and a, and a greatest challenge. But to some Vedic and Upanishadic sages, the Buddhas, the mystics, this has been a great dream, you know. I mean, the computer scientists and the information technologists have been successful in tying all the computers and all the information of the whole world in one common thread called the network. We know that, right? Mm -hmm. Now, this is where, you know, Scott McNeely, you know, who is from, this, who is from Sun Microsystems, he said once that the network is the computer, Okay. The computer network of the whole world has become one big computer. Mm -hmm. It has become a digital nervous system of the whole world. 
Okay. And this has been made possible at the level of a machine, but the same is not becoming made possible at the level of all the human beings of this whole world. Okay. Mm -hmm. So can this be possible? Can the whole world be just one cosmic family and how? Perhaps there are no straight answers to this. <laughs> well, the thing is that we already are. We are, <laughs> correct. Uh, it's just a matter of people waking up and realizing that we are. Uh, and I think with the support of science and all the projects, research projects going on at the moment, that that process is going to happen very quickly because I think we are close to a tipping point where people are waking up to their own uh, consciousness uh, and really? their own own awareness of what goes on around them, not from a external uh, sensory point of view, because you know, as I've also talked about a lot before, we're sitting here having a conversation. The way I perceive this conversation and this experience is going to be very different from any any one of you. So, which one is the actual reality? Because now it's even more so pronounced because I'm sitting here in my uh, office and I can't see where you guys are sitting. So my reality is essentially I'm sitting here talking into a microphone and I hear some voices uh, from you guys. But which, which reality is the real reality? Very true. Very true. So, so from that point of view, when I, when I talk to someone who's of a different opinion, if I realize that we are having different experiences and we experience things from a different perspective based on how uh, our experiences up until that point, whether they, you know, good or bad, who, do not, <laughs> who knows as it were, um, but that if that person is, uh, you know, has a lot of fear, perhaps they will manifest that through, you know, anger at the government or uh, being uh, angry at whatever it may be, right? Sure. So now, if we can have a conversation and uh, build a bridge, then we can have that, uh, create that connection, right? And then we can allow ourselves to uh, start, then we connect on a mini con uh, collective consciousness. True, true. Uh, and that's where it starts, right? So I, from my point of view, in my experience, I'm trying to become the best versions of ourselves and showing up as role models is the solution to creating that uh, that one world that you're talking about right now. And, uh, sure. In fact, uh, the modern day man today, you know, in order to simplify um the very existential part of it, you know, there's also, uh, it's at four different levels, you know, I mean, uh, the existence functions, existence itself functions, if you look at it at four different levels, yeah. uh, starting off from a mechanical level, which means mm -hmm. the level of matter, its laws and its forces, you know, then comes the biological level, wherein uh, it's at the level of a biological life mm -hmm. and uh, the way the laws are and the forces that govern our behavior, you know, 
then there's something called a psychological level you know which is the at the level of one's own psyche of that particular human being mm-hmm. last not the least you know is the spiritual level you know yeah. and human beings the good thing is we are all at the highest level of evolution and there is no other evolution after the human beings and if there is any higher evolution or consciousness possible then it has to be within the human beings only you know and this higher awareness can be our revolution the fourth level that i'm talking about which is a spiritual level it is at the level of a buddhahood you know one when sets a foot on that and starts really realizing you know that's the world of the buddhas the scientists have practically proved quantum entanglement i'm sure you have heard about it isn't it quantum entanglement in a simple sense quantum entanglement means bridging uh, two photons at the same level of behavior you know yeah. i mean the behavior of one automatically changes the behavior of the other and in the process both come to attain the same state you know all that matters is which of that forces more dominant is it the positive is it the negative you know coming back to one point that you made about the negative uh, stuff going on in the world today and trying to dominate it's also because of the fact that so many people are in stress not really understanding that they themselves and their mental state themselves is one of the main reasons that actually acting as a collective energy to strengthening the negative form the moment they realize this and they cut the cords off and they start looking inside down into that media and all the hoopla going around they start realizing somewhere even an iota of that positive consciousness when that starts flowing their own state of buddha would also starts emerging you know and they find a new leash of life really unfolding in front of them isn't it yeah. so that's how and uh, see uh, one simple individual in any part of the world has got the audacity and the power and the behavior to automatically change the behavior of others and in the process come to a state wherein you know a collective consciousness can propel in a positive way forward you know so <laughs> this is what i call quantum consciousness you know yeah. well the, the fact is that uh, if uh, if you observe a quantum particle it uh, and this is uh, kind of schrodinger's cat uh, or schrodinger's box uh, where it has to change it, by you observing it it cannot stay the same that's the same thing if you talk to some you know if we bring that down more on a on a human level a physical level if you come if you're in conversation with someone and you're expressing yourself authentically without aggression it doesn't matter if that person that you're communicating with hold, uh, uh, are steadfast in their opinions at some level they will change <laughs> absolutely <laughs> you said right. it so it, so yeah no quantum physics definitely uh, plays into it um so we're going to go to melina go ahead melina yeah this is this is so interesting and i'm so glad you brought that maya um concept here so and the illusion uh, christopher uh, so so what i was about to say and then you started talking about it too was that going back to quantum one thing that is clear is that 
the intention, the intention you have in your consciousness affect the behavior and what will materialize at the quantum at the quantum level. And uh, and so uh, starting from that idea of the intent, but I mean not like I want something and then you're like daydreaming. I mean really. Really, you activate your art, you, you, you really think through it, you visualize it, uh, and, then, and then things can materialize in a certain way that will correspond, that will harmonize with what you are sending. And, and so the idea of Maya is that also, in my understanding, not from the... Um, Eastern background because I haven't been educated into that, but uh, from other background, more Western, my understanding with this idea of the illusion is that we are all living in a persistent idea of a certain reality where, where some of the former understanding of it is that the human body, the humans are separated. We are limited in the, what we can do, and there is a scarcity. And so we, we've been living into that persistent way of projecting ourselves for, for ages. And, uh, and when you talk about that tipping point, Christopher, I think, I think we can sort of all feeling like 20 years ago, there wasn't so many personal development and, and publications and and channels, TV channels, it's it's really coming to like more and more people access to this new way of understanding themselves. And I think that at a certain point when enough of us will be will live with another more um, open and more limit, less limited way of understanding our reality, then we might be able actually at a quantum uh, level be able to to change the way things materialize and the way and the way we live together on this earth. And um, and so I think there is there is no way to really understand the power of it. I think it's so big. It's so so big, and that where. That's where, when you talk about responsibility, Christopher, I think it's it's responsibility, but it's magic. I mean, when you start getting into uh, uh, understanding the, the power you can have, um, is um, is incredible. So yeah, that conversation is absolutely captivating. Thank no, you. For sure, Melly. I think um, once you and this. Uh, oftentimes, or rather always in my uh, coaching practice, I try to bring things down on the simple levels because once we we get into trouble when we try to understand all the complex complexities in our external environment. And it's when that comes to a complete overwhelm that we kind of hit rock bottom and we start to reflect inwards because there, there is no way for us to understand the external or to control the external. We start looking inwards and we start simplifying things to, to kind of get back, back to basics. So, you know, understanding what we can control, our words, our thoughts, our actions, and 
uh, once we start understanding that and we start reflecting inwards as opposed to experiencing the world kind of in the external, uh, that's when we can then start seeing our parts and our, our responsibility in the the collective consciousness. And yeah, we, we start seeing the magic when we are able to uh, tap into the collective consciousness and then also to we become conscious of our own energy and how we can uh, attract the uh, the the experiences that we want to experience and that's absolutely that is part of the magic and that's that's part of the awakening up to our own experiences i feel rohit go ahead Wow, uh, thank you so much, uh, Christ, uh, Christopher. You know, in these few past few minutes, I have literally, you know, feeling the lift with this awareness and this consciousness that that's growing here in this community. Oh my God, there are so many puzzles of my life. They have been solved in few minutes. That's that's like upgradation to the next level. So, uh, adding on to that, I just want to share, you know, uh, one of the wisdom given to me by one of my elders, 92-year-old man. Uh, I used to stay in hostel and I am on, uh, I have gone visit parents, you know, my village. And uh, this uh, old man, he came and with respect and with care, I just greeted him and I greeted him and I welcomed him. He uh, blessed me, you know, with open hands and he gave me one wisdom that day. Uh, he told son, Whenever you go to different part of the world, different part of your country, whenever you're crossing a water body, just salute it, say namaste to it. Whenever you are entering a new city, a new village, a new town, just say namaste to it. So namaste means namu aste, like we are, I'm, my soul is saluting to your soul. And that day, I was not aware of the deep reasoning behind that. But Christopher, the moment you just explained, you know, every city, every town has got its own consciousness. And I just connected the dot, you know. Oh my God. Oh my God. The water bodies, they are connected like river. It's connected with the ocean, with the whole earth. And he's saying, Rohit, whenever you cross a water body, salute it. And it means I am aligning with the consciousness of that beautiful water all around the globe. And when I am saluting the consciousness of that city, that town, oh my God, I am in alignment with that presence. Oh, oh that's an awareness. Like he told me this many years back, 20 years back, but I got the clarity around it today. That's, uh, that's work. That's being patient. You know? Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, that, a lot of times that's when we experience the magic is when we're patient enough to... Uh, to uh, allow the puzzle pieces to fall into place. So that's beautiful, right? Wow, it's really beautiful. I am really grateful, you know, to be part of this communication today, this discussion today. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. Thank you for being here. Uh, you, and that's the beauty of, of these conversations. And I always say that thank you for bringing your beautiful energies uh, when we end these conversations, because it is really that you bring your energy, you bring your consciousness, and that helps to uplift these conversations. It helps these conversations become what they are. So uh, when I do say thank you, I mean that from really from the bottom of my, of my heart. Um, so to round off today, wanted to, and this is 
in my view, relating to how we can show up as role models and the best versions of ourselves and supporting the evolutionary shift in the collective consciousness. And this uh, uh, quote comes from Elon Musk. He he said that, I came to the conclusion that we should aspire to increase the scope and scale of human consciousness in order to better understand what questions to ask. Really, the only thing that makes sense is to strive for greater collective enlightenment. If we ask the questions of ourselves, who am I? What's my purpose? What am I doing here? What can I do differently? Asking these questions will then compel the, your, your subconscious to give you an answer. Once you start getting those answers, you will start to move into an understanding of who you are and what your role in the collective consciousness is, that then awakens the the fact that you have a part to play. And whatever you bring in is going to be your part of the collective consciousness. So if you bring fear into to the world, that feeds into the experience of everybody else. If you bring love and compassion into the world, Again, that's what becomes part of your contribution to the collective consciousness. So, as he says, the only thing that makes sense is to strive for a greater collective enlightenment. And we all are part of that. We all feed into that. So I want to thank everybody for listening in today and uh, for bringing the best you have which is always wonderful and it's always at a very high level. So I hope to see you next week. Take care, everybody. Bye. So where all this research that's taking place now and uh, uh, is increasing in uh, frequency, where that's going to take us, we don't know, I suppose. But uh, as people become more and more aware of uh, the uh, scientific studies and the results of these studies, inevitably we are going to become more aware of our own uh, participation in uh, everybody else's lives and uh, the things that we can't see around us, how they affect us and how we affect them. A lot of this material is of course available on the internet so just go out there and do uh, a search on Google for studies in consciousness or collective consciousness research or what have you. But Some of the uh, more famous places we uh, talk about are uh, Stanford Research Institute, the uh, University of Virginia, um, Division of Perceptual Studies, you have the uh, Institute of Noetic Sciences, uh, and so forth. So there's a a wealth of information out there, and I hope that you will uh, uh, have your appetite uh, for more information whetted by this conversation we have had today. I also hope that you will take the opportunity to visit theinfinity.life uh, so that's theinfinity.life uh, website to learn more about uh, raising the frequency of the human collective consciousness. And as always, if you are interested in uh, 
these aspects, how they pertain to your own journey and yourself, and how you might be able to work on yourself to raise your frequency and vibration on an individual basis. You are always welcome to contact us here at the Alchemy Experience to uh, engage with us in our workshops. We do offer a half an hour of free consultation, so if you go to thealchemyexperience.co.uk just click on the uh, link for a free uh, 30 minute cons consultation to explore how we might be able to assist you. For now, I wish you all the best and I hope to see you at the next podcast. Take care. Bye.